Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Scipio. The number one challenge every salesperson faces right now is how to have more conversations with more potential customers and land more appointments. And that's why you've got to go check out Scipio today. I've had too many sales leaders tell me how Scipio has transformed their ability to make contact with customers faster and easier than ever before that I had to go check them out myself. Salespeople using Scipio see a 5x improvement in landing appointments and a 40% lift in show rates. And that means more conversations, which we all know means more sales. Listen, everything has changed in the last year. And that means the way you connect with customers needs to change too. Scipio has the best automated texting platform for building personalized relationships at scale that I have ever seen. But don't take my word for it. Head over to Scipio at Scipio.com and use the code SPRINGFREE for one month on the plan of your choice courtesy of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Again, that's Scipio, S-K-I-P-I-O.com and use SPRINGFREE to find out just how good a modern messaging platform can be. The Sales Leadership Podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. We're all facing new challenges, and if you need someone to talk shop with, I've got you. If you want to become an elite, legendary sales leader for the team you lead, hit me up. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Darren Ranke, founder of Group 60. Group 60 is an executive coaching and training company focused on building leaders from the inside out. Group 60 works with companies of all sizes, from the large Fortune 500 organizations down to high-growth startups, and then everything in between. His work with leaders in all disciplines has helped companies succeed in achieving their missions all around the world. Now, Darren's done a lot of work with companies you'd be familiar with and and, and even visionary nonprofits, but he's also the author of a really interesting book that we'll talk about a little bit today, The Savage Leader, 13 Principles to Become a Better Leader from the Inside Out. I'm excited to get Darren's take on how leaders can create more impact. I'm excited for him to share some of his blueprint with each of us today, and I am pumped to have him as today's uh, conversation guest on our show. Darren, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Hey, man, I'm, I'm really gra- grateful to have you here. Uh, why don't we start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners uh, and, and what you do at Group 60 for your customers? Sure, I'd be happy to. So we are an executive coaching and training company, and our focus is developing leaders from the inside out. So you heard that in the tagline for the book, but because we believe that I think a lot of times leadership courses, books, videos that you watch focus on the behaviors that are visibly visible externally, but there's so much work that goes on inside, inside our own heads in terms of shifting our mindsets before we can even get to some of those skill sets. So of course we focus on those as well, but we start with the internal journey as well that parallels that external journey. So that's our focus is whether it's working with individuals or with teams, which we do both of, and also more broadly in organizations as well. 
Super interesting. How long have you been having this company going? We've been going about 11 years. Yeah. So I like that. I mean, you started that uh, 2010 and 11 years later, you've got to have learned all kinds of killer insights on what makes for strong leaders and, and what are some things that leaders need to overcome? I, I have to imagine it's been an amazing journey. It's been an amazing journey. I, you know, hopefully we've helped a ton of leaders. I think we have, but also I've learned so much along the way as well, because I've had the, the privilege of working alongside so many great folks. Why don't we start with, with your tagline? Why don't you help our listeners understand what does it mean to grow from the inside out? Yeah, great question. And as I mentioned before, is I do believe there's this inner journey that we go on. It's, it's about identifying and anchoring to our own personal professional values. It's around understanding what it means to be more authentic, because I think that's so important. And I think mm. something that we talked about before, which is about how do you become more confident? And I believe that if you're more authentic, you're going to be more confident. I, I definitely have seen that to be true amongst the people that I've coached, but also even in my own self, when I'm showing up and being more true to who I am, both my own values and strengths, that I'm ultimately more confident in that situation. So there's that piece. So whether it's values, whether it's authenticity, whether it's about how you foster and nurture greater levels of patience and perseverance. And then there's like three, almost three principles for the price of one, which is the idea of self-limiting beliefs that we all have. We have these either voices in our heads or we play back old tapes from what teachers said or what parents said or what past bosses said. And it's how do we just squash those things? Because we don't want those beliefs to become doubts, which becomes fear. And then as your sales leaders, well, no, you don't want fear getting in the way of making that outbound call or calling the, the lead that's at the very top of the list that can allow you to make your quarter, make your year and people starting on the low hanging fruit. It's like, let's go after the big, scary, audacious goals. And in that case, prospects. All right. I'm busting out notes right now, man. So I'm, I can tell this is going to be a fun conversation. So I like this concept from the inside out in this, this journey that you go on. It starts from the inside of being authentic and creating confidence. And, 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 and I think that that's such a big deal. We have a lot of people uh, that are on our, so we have thousands of people listening to you around the world right now. Some of them are really seasoned leaders. Some of them are newer leaders. Some of them are people that want to be, they aspire to become a leader. Some of them are in the enablement world where they support leaders in different ways. Um, I want to start with a word that you use probably four times. And that last thing you just, we're just saying confidence. What's, what's the role of confidence for a leader? And, and then let's get into maybe how do you build that? I mean, can, that, that's a, such a really important topic. I'm very interested because you went to it quickly. How important is that for a leader? I think it's everything, honestly. And this over time, it reinforces this thought to me, which is I believe almost 100% of our success is really what's between our ears, which ultimately comes down to confidence. And in, in, if you're talking about people who are competent and have comp competence and confidence is, um, is so important because all of your listeners have had great levels of success. Obviously, you talked about people who are in different stages of their careers, but so much of what happens in our success comes from what happens inside our heads, which is confidence. And if we can show up confidently, it's going to help you. It helps you in your personal life, surely. And of course, in your professional life as well, how you show up with a new prospect, how you show up with an existing customer who you're trying to grow into other areas of the account or to sell additional products or services so much of it really does come down to confidence and belief in yourself, because I think that's whether that's what makes you a successful athlete and whether you're talking about swag or swagger, you think about, I'm in San Diego, think about Tatis, 
And I think that guy just drips. How can you confidence. not? That that dude, man. Yeah, that dude is he's legit. Yeah. So, so I mean, no, that go guy ahead. Just drips confidence. I mean, I think that he embodies that more than anybody. Without a doubt. I mean, he doesn't matter if he's over four on the game, he thinks he's gonna hit the next one out of the yard. That, For sure. So so I think confidence is a really important leadership topic. And and you you know, here's 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 the reason I'm I'm gonna sit on it for a minute. I, again, we when we become a sales leader, here's what we get. We get a team, we get the job, we get the promotion, or we get the assignment, whatever. Then they give us a team, then maybe they give us a territory or a product or whatever we're responsible for, and then they hit us with a quota. And generally, that's about all that a sales leader gets, followed by a don't miss, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now you, you, you got a team of whatever it is, six, eight, ten. I just got a phone with one of my, my customers, and she's leading a team of 14, that your success comes down to your ability to have influence with those 14 people for them to go hit a number. And, uh, and, and, and so I know a lot of people like feel like whether it's imposter syndrome or they, they feel like their mental health inside of the sales community is, is a real problem because of all the pressure that's associated with it. So how, how does pressure get over kind of trumped by confidence? Is there, any kind of things is, is cause I know how important it is. I love that you said it's everything. I want to talk about your con- your concept of going after big audacious goals. Any thoughts around what pe- leaders can do to actually build confidence? Uh, I, I think that's a super interesting topic that I'd love your take on. There's a term that I'm wrestling with and I'm not sure if it's authentically confident or confidently authentic. And this gets back to what I mentioned before and that I am a big believer that if we can be true to who we are authentically and we're not trying to copy and paste somebody else, whether we're reading about external best practices or seeing a, another salesperson in our organization who's gotten results is being true to who we really are. I think that's how you can get confidence is through that greater authenticity. So what I mean by that is there's, there's three things that we talk about or three steps to your question about blueprint that whether you're trying to become a great leader or whether you're trying to adopt a new behavior, it's about intention it's about reflection and it's about action. So the intention piece is you're going you're gonna to take the time to look in this. You have a desire to change or to get better. That's all about the intention piece of getting your mind in the right direction. Because if people aren't willing to change or to try new things, they're definitely not going to get better. And the second piece is reflection. So reflecting on, in this case, talking about what are your values? What are your strengths? Because that's going to really help you become more authentic. So think about from a values perspective, your values personally with your team, with your organization could be around growth. It could be around achievement. It could be about becoming a great developer of people. It could be about really being impactful for your customers and for your clients and really driving change through them. It just depends on the individual. And if you can identify what those are and then anchor to them, that's really important in terms of becoming more authentic, which is going to help you be more confident. The second thing under that reflection piece is understanding like, what are your strengths? I think so many of us have strengths envy in terms of we want to be the master of all domains. But in reality, as a sales leader, you have a team around you, whether you're that really transcendent visionary who can speak to the vision, you can get your team aligned behind it. That's great. Maybe you're more of a a sales ops type of leader where you really understand process and analysis and you can lead that way, but you can still partner with other folks. And the point being, understand what your strengths are and understand what they aren't. And be okay with that as well. And that's, I think that's really important in, in terms of the reflection piece. 
But then what really matters, especially if you're trying to become better, and obviously I know sales folks, I work with a ton of them are, it's all about action. It's all about hitting your number. It's all about blowing your number out of the water and taking action. So using those values to set goals, using those values to guide your decision-making, using those strengths to, to really guide what you do and what you don't do, as well as what, the, that, what your team does and doesn't do. So I think those three steps is going to help you become more authentic. And if you're more authentic, I believe you're going to be more confident. I know for me, that's absolutely true. I, I found myself just in the process of writing a book, threading way more of my own stories into the book than I thought. Originally, it was going to be just through interviews and anecdotes. And I ended up pulling my own stuff in there and just being more true to who I was, which gave me confidence in the content. I love this. Um, What a great blueprint to build confidence and authenticity. Intention, reflection, and action. Um, That's fantastic, Darren. I love it. I'm looking at it right now. When you work with leaders, how well do they kind of know these things before you start working with them generally? Or are these new concepts for them? I think it's the way you structure it. I think people, they're smart, right? I mean, they generally have a sense for what they need to do in the world. But I think getting people to take a step back and just to pause and to reflect, I think is important. But the intention piece is really an interesting one and an important one, because a lot of times people just want to jump to the skill sets, like just help me become a better better communicator. It's like, well, and I'm one who's action oriented. I used to work for Accenture. That's how I started my career before doing my MBA at Berkeley. So I'm all about action and results, but you know, and this is something that probably 25 years ago, if you asked me, I'd be, you know, the opposite of this in terms of focusing on these really soft, squishy skills. But I do believe that it requires you to go back a bit. So you go back so you can just slingshot yourself forward. So I think people generally know, but I think getting people to actually reflect and have that greater intention allows them to take action and get the results that they want. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I found as I work with sales leaders, one of my favorite things to ask them is, what do you want? Right? What do you want? What, what, does, what does good look like for you? And I often get all these answers like, well, I want to, I want to take care of my family or I want to, whatever I want to just do. I want to make sure I, I do well for my company or I keep my job. And it's interesting. So much of the time when I ask the, what do you want conversation? It's usually about things they want to do for other people. And I find that much less often is that what do they want for them? And, uh, and I think it's hard to be, really confident in your action if you don't know how it fits into what you want for you. And that's why I love this, this structure, this framework, like, what do you want? And uh, it's, it's hard to get to someplace that you're excited about if you're not going someplace that you're excited about for you. Is, is, is that, is that consistent with kind of what you're sharing? Yeah, it's actually really interesting because I think it's, we do a lot of work with helping people identify their purpose or what Simon Sinek calls your why. Yep. And for me, I had my professional purpose, which is about unleashing the inner lion within leaders so they can become great. It's a, a bit of a longer statement than that. But okay. um, one thing I realized, and you asked a great question, which is, what do you want? And I almost realized just a while ago that I was almost falling short of my own personal why, which is about freedom of time and space and spending the time with people I love, which are my two young boys and my wife and my family and friends. Because I was so just hell bent on chasing my own professional why that I almost fell short of that, that what do I want? So it's kind of an interesting question. I think it's important is not what other people want or need, but actually what do you want? Let's let's can we can we talk about each of these just for a little bit um, one one or two minutes more, each of these three? Because I think 
I think this blueprint's important enough. I don't want to just do a flyby on it and hope that our listeners catch it, right? I think you, you've got something that's meaningful here. Intention, you know, I, I've written some notes down on intention. If people want to get intention right, is there like one or two things they should make sure they're doing if they want to get their intention like dialed and having it be a strength for them? It gets back to what you said, which is focusing on what you want. So one of the premises that I have in terms of becoming a great leader is, is that same, same three steps, but the intention really is about becoming great and great. Each person has a different definition of that. And, you know, I use an example from sports. I'm a big, you know, I love a sports junkie, put a lot of sports in high school and growing up at yep. Steph Curry is front and center once again. But, you know, if you ask our jazz last night, dude, my jazz got beat by Steph last night. So you're <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> but you know, if you asked him at the beginning of his career, you know, he probably said, I want to be the best shooter that ever lived. And maybe now it's like, I want to be the, becoming the best scorer that ever lived, but that's his frame. But what about you ask a successful executive or a sales leader, what do they want? They want, they want to hit the, have the biggest number in the company, or they may have something more meaningful than that. But what if you asked a, a teacher or a parent, they may have something, a different definition of what it means to become great. And I think that's what allows you to set that intention is to define what you said, which is, what do you want? Like, what does greatness mean to you? So it doesn't have to be famous. It doesn't have to be the Steph Curry. It doesn't have to be the Elon Musk or the Mark Benioffs of the world. It, you know, you'd have your own definition of what that means. And I think that is how you can create that sense of greater intention is to be really true to who you are and what you want. Yeah, I love that. What does greatness mean to you? That's so good. Um, I think that most people don't ask that question. Darren, I, I, do, do people have that figured out when you start working with them? Or is that like kind of a journey you help take them on? I think it's something new. I think, and I've started to dial it back a little bit sometimes. In some, for some, it may be, what does it mean to become better? But I like greats. I am a big believer in just aiming higher and aspirational goals and ideas and thoughts, I think really drive us beyond what we think we're capable of doing. So yeah, great. I think is a, a new term for people. I think people probably are maybe afraid of that. And I also like to say, look, it's all context, right? You know, Steph Curry, Elon Musk, there isn't a different stratosphere than most people, but it's, what does it mean to you from a personal perspective? I got to ask you one more question on this. Sorry, man. Uh, this is one of the things that our listeners like about the show is when you say interesting things, I sit on it, we dive down. I'm appreciative that you got the depth that we can do it. You said something I wrote down, man. I've, I'm all on page two of my notes already, and I've got it right here with the star by it. You said people are afraid of the word great. Why are people afraid of great? That is an, I, I can't wait to have this conversation. People are just afraid of failing. And I think if you sign yourself up for that big, bold goal and try to do something that's different, they're going to get criticized. They're going to get, they're going to have their own criticism if they fall short, but it's like so many people just mail it in, in life. And that just frustrates me, you know, and I, it frustrates, you know, myself just being mediocre is just a real challenge for me. And I like the idea of just aiming higher and, you know, your audience is all successful sales folks. So becoming great, you know, it may be scary for some of them as well. It's just, you put yourself out on the limb a little bit, you know, I want to become great. I want to do something different. I want to make a big ripple or a big dent in the universe. I think it's a Steve jobs saying, so I think it's, it's scary for people, whether it's scary for themselves of falling short, or now you're open to the court of public opinion, internet opinion. I know for me, writing a book, you know, was a, a, a big, took a, a leap for me. 
to go out there and just to take fire from random people under anonymous usernames on Amazon and whatnot. It's, it's similar. I mean, it's like the same thing with, I'm going to sign up for a different goal or I'm going to move from outside sales into channel or whatever it may be from a sales perspective is doing something different to be great or to be better. Scary. I love it. I think you're dead on. I, I think, I think people don't realize they can get with that. I think, you know, the Rolling Stones, man, they got it wrong. There's a song that says you can't always get what you want, but if you take some time, you just might find you get what you need. And too often we settle for what we need instead of saying, I'm going to get what I want, man. And that's why I love guys like you. We can, we can get what we want, right? Take your time not to get what you need. Take your time to get what you want. So, And I love pushing people. One of the first questions I ask when I start coaching someone is, what does it mean to be challenged? Mm. And I definitely end up with people who just self-select into working with me because it's, it's all about challenging them, pushing them. But I love that. I love people who are like, no, push me hard. So that's good for intention. Let's shift over to reflection really, really quickly. What, what does it mean to get reflection right? I mean, there's got to be a couple things there that helps people really get this, makes this reflection part an accelerator for your three-step process. It's about being honest and true. It's about not, whether you're talking about values, is putting values, what you think, as an example, what other people want, you know, or what want of you, right? You, you had a great example before. You said a lot of people say they focus on what other people want, not what they want, is being true to yourself and what it is you want in the, out of your life, out of this, you know, this a job, a career, et cetera. And I think being true to those things and not getting that pressure from your spouse, your colleagues, your uh, fellow alums, the community you grew up in. I think it's being really true to that and honoring those things because it's, you know, if I think about when I was in business school at UC Berkeley, a lot of people at the time were going into real estate. Eventually that became more people going to technology, but that just wasn't true to who I was, you know, but the sort of public opinion and pressure was, Hey, you should be going this direction. I've obviously gone a very different direction in my career and it's being okay with that. You know, my own, my own, why my own purpose is I imagine very different from some of these people. So it's, it's hard to be there to live in that place. How do you figure out who you are? If you're going to be true to who you are, if you're going to reflect and be true to who you are, like I can tell you for me, it took me a while to figure that out. It, it wasn't something that I knew right away. Is it normal for it to take a while? Can you shorten that? Can you figure that out faster? I got to think there'll be some people that are hearing you say that they're, you're going to make them stop and say, man, who am I? I mean, is that a normal question? Yeah, it reminds me if you've seen the movie Zoolander, where he looks in the puddle and says, who am I or whatever yeah. the quote was. So, sorry to pause for a second. But nice. I think one thing, and people get tripped up, is people think that people have purpose or who I am, what their why is, is like this, this flash of light or a near-death experience or some just really impactful moment. And that's true of, I don't know, 5% of the world, right? And these people that go on become speakers, authors, just transcendent leaders. But for the rest of us, I think it's about that reflection. It's about that iteration in terms of understanding who we are. It's about looking back at some of our experiences and helping us understand more of who we are. I think that's really important. And it's iterative over time. You know, I had a mentor of mine who years ago said, you know, what's the philosophy of your firm, which in, in what I internalize that is what's my own personal and life philosophy, which has become the ethos of my own business. But 
it takes time. It takes that intention again to actually to want to get there. And if you want to be more purpose-driven, more understanding who you are and so you can infuse that into your life, which by the way, will help you be more successful and have more joy. It requires a lot of time and effort. So, but to your question of, can you fast track that? Absolutely. So Simon Sinek's got a framework for understanding your why. For, for me, it's almost like, I look at it from a marketer's perspective. You have like unaided awareness and aided awareness, which is like a way that marketers go and assess whether uh, what the awareness of a, of a specific brand, whether it's Coke or Tide or whatnot. But I apply the same thing with values, which is help have people start with a list. So we have this list of like 200 different values that we're constantly adding to. You can do an exercise where you circle those things based on what resonates most to you. And that's really important is what resonates most to you, not what other people you think other people want of you. And then second is you can use stories and experiences from your past to help distill that into what matters most in your values. So if you put those two things together, to so take a little bit of a top down and a bottoms up approach is coming up with a series of words or terms that can really get a sense for who you're, who you are as a, an individual and as a leader. I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. That that's fantastic. Okay, let's shift off of that, and then I want to get into the other things that we want to talk about. But this really got my attention. Action is it as simple as as simple as as do something, or or is there more to it than that? It's it's do something, but it's taking action within the context of what we talked about, within that attention, intention, and also using that reflection. So I talked about a little bit earlier, which is, is setting goals that connect to your values as an example, or it's making decisions that are consistent with your values. That's a a great way, but also uh, from a strengths perspective, thinking about what are the things you're going to do as part of your goals for the year that really line up with your strengths. Um, That's really important, but also having a little bit of a a personal growth plan for yourself in terms of taking action to grow in the ways that you want to grow. So yeah, it's, it's taking action is do something, but it's not just do anything. It's being really focused in terms of aiming that at whatever your goals may be. In this case, a lot of the work we do is all of course about behaviors and changing those behaviors. And so you like to apply this three-step framework towards those big audacious goals where you are going for what you want. You're doing something that's great. And if you can have the intention to have this, whatever your definition of greatness is, reflect and measure as you go along and then take very purpose-driven action, you find that this builds confidence along the way? Absolutely. Because it's, it. it's all about whether it's aimed at becoming a better leader or talking about becoming more confident about, which is a behavior essentially. But yeah, you could apply that to goals as well. Okay. This, now let's shift. Now that we've got this framework, which I love about confidence, and we've talked about leaders need to have confidence. We've talked about the role. You've given us a blueprint on how to build it. That by itself would have been a great use of our listeners' time to hear that. Why is coaching becoming so important right now? You know, coaching salespeople has always been important. Now, executive coaching is like getting more and more of a big deal. Uh, why is coaching becoming so much more important in the last 18 to 24 months? Yeah, I think it's almost just even going beyond that trajectory is that there's so many shifts that happen in our careers now. And just think about how many jobs that people are going to hold throughout their life and their career and that we need to become adaptable and agile to grow in new ways to adopt new behaviors. So coaching really plays nicely into that in terms of helping us understand what it means to be great or to become better. And they can help you take, you can help someone go along that journey to achieve that. And coaching is obviously, I think, obviously I'm um, a little bit biased on this, but a great way to do that. Yeah. But everybody that's listening to this show has some connection to leadership and coaching comes up as a common theme 
And so I, I want your bias because you've been living it for at least the last 11 years. And then for a long time that made you confident enough to start your own firm around it. Right. And your firm has been successful enough to grow and thrive over an 11 year period of time. I want your bias, Darren, because our listeners, many cases, they're newer leaders, or maybe they have hit a, a rut or a plateau and coaching can help with those things. Yeah. It's iterative and it's personalized. So iterative in terms of think about the old model of annual performance reviews for a lot of, t- a lot of mm. people and probably still a lot of companies, unfortunately, that's your one point where you get that really honest feedback. Great. I just wasted all this time for a year focusing on the wrong thing. Now it's like I have another cycle that I have to wait another year. So luckily I think many companies are getting it right now, but coaching from that iterative point of view allows you to make rapid change. You know, whether you're talking to your coach once a week, you know, if you're managing, you're checking in a couple of times a week, you have more for a formal development conversation, say every two weeks or so is it's just that rapid iteration. It's almost like if you look at from technology, they do a lot of stuff around rapid prototyping around agile methodology, and you're doing these quick little sprints. The same thing goes for developing as a leader. You can provide real-time coaching feedback that is iterative, but also it's personalized. It's not one size fits all because we're all different. We all have different values. We all have different strengths. We all have different areas of expertise. And a coach can really drill down into those things to provide a customized approach to becoming better as a leader. Yeah, I'm digging this. Like as I'm writing down, I'm thinking, listening to our conversation, like this concept of don't be afraid to be great. That's what you're all about, man, is is helping people not be afraid to be great as a leader or as an individual contributor or as a whatever personal part of what your your reflection of yourself or who you want to be. Let's not be afraid of being great. And and we can act without fear. We can think big without fear and, and we can I imagine that's one of the reasons coach leaders need coaches too, is they have to know what being great means in that role where they have the responsibility of helping other people become great. Is that a different area of fear all by itself that you help people with? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, one question you mentioned, which is we all should have coaches and we all have coaches. And I think because we all have areas to, to grow and improve. Yeah, I'm seeing that executive coaching for leaders. It's I'm now seeing it as a new perk. I I mean, companies are like that's the way they're winning good talent. That's how they're keeping good talent, and it's not just a way to like win a recruiting war. Like people, when they get coaching, I I think it's almost impossible. Darren, let's talk about that. I think it's almost impossible to coach yourself to the degree that will help you be like your best version of you. I think there's stuff outside of wherever your, your blinders may be tight, your blinders may be here, but there's always going to be blind spots that you can't see unless there's someone helping you. And, and that's why I think like the very best performers in any discipline, best athletes, the best artists, the best performers, the best CEOs, the best sales leaders, they all have a coach helping them. Is that, is that consistent with what you're saying? hundred percent. I mean, I think the best they need, we all need help. Right. And something you mentioned, which is interesting as a coach, part of your job is being that mirror that you can shine, help people see what may have been just lurking right behind them. They have blind spots. We all have blind spots, but you know, whether you're talking about performance or athletes, whether they're coaches, they're trainers, there's different words for these things, but a coach really is around someone who can create awareness to blind spots and to help push them along the way. Yeah, I think that's really, really well, really well said. So I love this. So, so I think that our listeners need to be thinking about, yeah, how do they become that coach to help their reps not be afraid to be great? 
but they probably, whether it's a formal or an informal coach, I'm, you need to surround yourself with people that will help you see those blind spots and, and help you think bigger and, and, and shift that mindset of what's possible. And I love how you said it. Like the word I love is the audacious goals. I think that's a great one. It's so memorable, Darren. And uh, our, it, when I, when I talk and I read from the most successful people, almost consistently, they say, even when they've accomplished big things in retrospect, they said, I didn't think big enough. I could have thought bigger, you know? And, uh, and that, I think that's fantastic. So I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, let's talk about your book for a second. I love the title savage, right? You have the word savage in there. You know, that, that, that's an interesting word choice and I'm sure it was intentional. Can, can you talk a little bit about why that's there and, and the principles of being a savage leader? So I'm a, either a recovering or a former marketer. So I'm always thinking in terms of messaging. Yep. And first, it's, I wanted something to be provocative just to get people to, to stop and notice. And go, That's interesting. The savage leader, you know, savage yeah. is a little bit of a pop culture term. Right. But and some people may misinterpret a little bit. But to me, it's being savage in not like in an unrefined way, but being so bold to be introspective and to think about this internal journey that we go on to become great leaders, whether it's around the values and authenticity, things I talked about before, looking at honestly, looking at self-limiting beliefs, doubts, and fears, and doing so requires you to be savage. So to me, it's like being so bold that you're willing to be that introspective about yourself and where you need to improve and grow and get better. So it's a little bit of a yeah, part provocative, but also more of like, I think it requires an incredible amount of just, uh, you know, audacity, being a savage to really dive right in and really be honest, introspective with yourself. So how do you, how do you be more savage then with that provocative lens that we're looking through? Is there one or two things that our listeners can do to be a little more savage? Yeah, it's interesting is, you know, the 13 principles, I was talking to a friend and mentor of mine. He says, you you almost sound like, you know, it's like the humble savage is what you're talking about. And it's like, so these things may not be savage, like just someone's jumping the screen at you. But, you know, to me, it gets back to, identifying what matters most. So your values, it's about communicating with your tribe, which so that way I can go off on a huge tangent on that. But in terms of communication, it comes down to a lot of mindset work in terms of being curious, in terms of being present, in terms of being humble, which lays the foundation for becoming a strong communicator. So that may not scream savage, but to me it does because it's like, you're willing to be bold enough to be introspective in terms of um, some of these softer skills that are, are going to enable you to be that transcendent leader or just to become a better leader to your teams. So when you say savage, it's, it's, it's boldness, which I like because that is consistent with your message of confidence and authenticity. And, um, and it's not a kind of uh, puffer fish boldness. It's, it's an authentic boldness, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it, as I as you share some of this with me, you give me two places that would be good for for you know being more savage. Let's flip it around for a second, and, and I like to show the backside of it as well. Is there like one or two things that leaders do that like really undermines their ability to be a good coach or to be a strong leader or to have that kind of savage boldness that you talk about? Like for our listeners, there's like one or two things. If you're doing this, stop doing this now. So these are two things and these are really soft, squishy words again. And uh, I just always, I I caveat that because it's like, I know sales leaders are focused on outcomes, 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 but I think humility and curiosity are two really important words. 
And from a humility, what I mean is being humble enough to accept that you don't have all of the answers and that you can learn something from other people. And then curiosity, which is just being curious about other people, which a lot of companies, curiosity is a hot word in terms of driving innovation. But what I mean is curious about other people, about their backgrounds, their experiences, because if you can lead with a couple of those things, that really sets the foundation for being present with your team, which is a little bit more of a new age word. You know, we talk about meditation and being present, but I think about it from an outcomes perspective. If I'm present with someone I'm coaching, or if you're a sales leader and you're being present with your team, you're going to be a better listener. You're going to ask better questions that are going to help drive their growth and just have better conversations with people. So humility and curiosity, I think are two things that really can help in terms of supporting people becoming better coaches to their teams. So I'm thinking about my people that are out walking their dog right now, listening to this podcast, and they're hearing you say humility and curiosity. I want to, I want to, those are really interesting that you picked those first. Are those really common things that are like catalysts? Either if you get it wrong, it's going to sink your boat. And if you get it right, it's going to accelerate your growth. Uh, I'm, I'm, are, is, are those that important? I, I believe they are. I believe just humility, because if you have those things, this is going to change the way you show up with your teams. Because just imagine a conversation where someone's not humble. They don't respect what someone has to offer in a situation or in a conversation. It's going to be a one way. It's going to be a monologue. It's not going to be a dialogue. It's not going to be a coaching conversation. That's for sure. Mm. So I think about an example of a, of a CEO of a publicly traded company and years ago sitting in the, this room. And if I were to walk in, I would have never known he was a CEO because I talk about this in the book also, but because he sat there, he let, he created space for people to contribute. Of course, he punctuated the end of each section with his thoughts, but he created that space and humility was huge there. Curiosity was huge to want to know what people had to think about something based on their own unique set of backgrounds, whether it's because one person came from finance, one person came from marketing, one person came from ops, or they just had different experiences and upbringings as they brought different conversations and different insights. So having some that, that sense of humility and curiosity really helped that. What I like about it is when you shared both of those, you said this may fly in the face of a sales leader that's chasing a number and chasing a quota. This humble enough to take advice, curious of other people and where they are in their journey and their experiences. This, this, the reason I like this is I think that in the last, call it a year, 18 months, it's no longer, you can't just chase the number. You, you, you have to invest in the person. I think you always needed to, but I think that's become abundantly clear now that we have to make sure that we are working on the whole person and with the whole person and not just the salesperson because all the lines are blurred now, man. I mean, you know, we're getting invited into people's homes and people are, you know, got their kids there and they're doing homeschooling. There's all these things that are happening and and I think if there's one thing I've learned is that you can't just focus on the business case. And I know when I first was becoming a sales leader, the advice I got from one of my mentors a long time ago, longer than I should admit, was focus on the business case and you'll be fine. I remember I heard that all the time, focus on the business case and you'll be fine. I actually think that's the wrong advice now. I think that you're right. We have to we have to have these two things and we've got to do more than just chase a number. Um, and, and, and I think that does sometimes this idea of confidence make people stop this, they, it blocks the humility and the curiosity because they have the wrong idea of what confidence is. But if we're truly confident, 
we can be that humble. And if we're truly confident, we can be that curious because we already know, you know, where we are on our journey of intention, reflection, and action. Absolutely. I think that gets back to vulnerability too, right? You're confident enough to be vulnerable to your teams. And I think there's different degrees of vulnerability, right? It's not just full opening of the kimono and expressing your deepest, darkest, you know, misgivings, but it could be about, Hey, I share an experience or, you know, a failure of my past and what I learned from it. I think that having the confidence to do that is really important, but yeah, you're right. It's not bravado. It's not a false bravado. It's about being confident in yourself. And I think that's where it gets back to authenticity too, because it can allow you to be more humble and more curious. All right. We're, we're starting to run out of time and I got a couple more things I want to hit. I, I, I really like this conversation. I don't know what my favorite part is. I love your blueprint. I love the idea that leaders got to invest in themselves. I like, I like the idea of don't be afraid of chasing greatness. Um, but I also like what you just said. Don't let your personal chase get in the way of, you know, some of these other attributes. Um, you've given me two things that sales leaders can do to, to be more. Is there anything besides like, don't, you said, be humble, be curious. I don't want it to be as like, is it as simple as, you know, don't not be humble and don't not be curious. Is there like one, like most common sales leadership or, or leadership challenge that you see happening over and over again that you can put on high alert for our listeners? I mean, to me, it's still communication and especially now, I mean, communication has always been, I think the, the most important or right up there, but especially now, because obviously we're working in different, just different ways of working. You mentioned being in people's homes or on using more digital, digital uh, video conferencing tools, but also just even some of the digital sales tools. And it just requires us to really ramp up our communication. I think people can also tend to get a little bit lazy in terms of communication. When we have all these tools, we can, uh, just because you can, doesn't mean you should, right? I can text, I can Slack, I can teams, I can do fire up a zoom call and just be totally intrusive. It's like, well, let's step back and think about that for a minute. And I think communication is, you know, more important than ever. It's always been important. I like that. And so you're right. I mean, some people will be great communicators and maybe some other ones are, are, are not going to be, but for sure, if there's one thing I've learned in the last 12 to 18 months, you can't communicate clear enough, often enough, or directly enough anymore. I mean, people need to know. And, and, and I think that that goes a long way to building these authentic relationships. Yeah. Uh, this has been awesome. Go ahead. Yeah. And there's one thought around that is, so it's, it's think about the medium, right? So whether I'm texting or slacking, but also is tailoring your communication style to the audience, because so many times I, you know, I'll assume that, that you want to be communicated with in the same style that I want to be, which is really direct, which is very action oriented, but people are different. They're more analytical. They're more people oriented. And then I think we need to really take that extra effort. And that gets back to intention, reflection, and action to, to adapt our communication style to the person that we're speaking to, because the natural reaction is for us to speak the way that we want to be spoken to. That, how hard is that to, to develop that muscle? I mean, maybe this is a good way for us to finish. I mean, you're an inside out leadership development. That means you're going to be developing different muscles for people and learning how the right way to communicate with people is versus just saying, this is what I want. And assuming that because this works for me, it'll work for you. How, how do you do that? Is that a hard journey to go, to go through? It takes some time. It takes effort, right? I mean, it's, a lot of people get frustrated. A lot of sales leaders who tend to be very much performance oriented 
they want to go straight to action. They want to go straight to the point. And it can be a little bit frustrating. Of, okay, why do I have to add this extra veneer of language around this? It's like, well, because you're going to get a better outcome is why, whether you're going to have a better coaching conversation or conversation, even with a customer or client is tailoring that communication to the audience is going to get you a better outcome. So that's the hard part that gets back to almost the intention and the reflection, which is yeah. it's going to take a little bit more time, a little bit more effort, but the payoff is greater outcomes. Okay. This has been fantastic, man. I, I really appreciate it. Let's, let's hit the rapid fire and then let's make sure that they know how they can get a hold of you and your book and some of the other things. So let, you ready? Absolutely. Okay, man. Biggest sales leadership uh, challenge that you're seeing right now. And, and then how do you beat it? I think it's communication. Once again, just communication with your teams, especially when we're in these new modes of working is just really doubling down on that. And just, I think it's intention is really don't just move to action too quickly and, and fire off that text. Don't be lazy. Really think about what you're sending, who you're sending it to and what the context is. I like that. Don't be lazy. That, it's, it's an extra step, but it's a, it's a difference maker. That's, that's really, really good. What about when you're building teams? So when you're, this is our listener favorite. This is the question that the listeners have told me they like most of all in this section. When you're building a team, when you're hiring people, do you have a go-to interview question or a go-to interview topic? And when you're using it, what, what, are, your, what are you looking for? So a good question is, how do you go about building trust within your teams? Mm. So I think that's, uh, that's important. And Google did a big study without going side, sideways on this one, but psychological safety or trust is a number one attribute of high-performing teams. So that's the, the question I think is so important. And it, it can put people on their heels a little bit, but I'm looking for how they're going about, it's not about trust falls, things like that. It's like, what do you do to actually create that sense of trust? You know, whether it's leading by example or being vulnerable, and which is also another way of leading by example. It's about creating space for people to individualize their own goals, allowing them to play to some of their strengths allows you to build a lot of trust because you're focusing on them, not you. Super cool. I like that a lot. I, I love that you shared that, 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 that idea of that trust and, and how that's tied to like psychological trust. It's not just your ethics. Can I trust what you're saying? Am I psychologically safe? That's super insightful. Last one, man, leaders are readers. And we're going to talk about your book here in a second. Um, tell us uh, for, we found that the leaders that are the most serious about their leadership journey, they never stop learning. I don't care if it's a book or an audible. I don't care if it's a bite-sized chunk, like a podcast or a, a blog. Is there something that you would recommend our, our listeners get their hands on and, and consume in their leadership journey? One of my favorites books in oldie, but goodie is Keith Ferrazzi's never eat alone. And I imagine, I imagine a lot of your listeners have listened to that or have read it or maybe listened to it as well, but it's about developing relationships because with all these new digital models, with all these new modes of communicating, it still gets back to the, the basics in terms of developing relationships and leading with value. Love it. Okay, man. How do they get more of you? I want to talk, I want to, let's talk about, let me, let me load this up. How, how do they get more of Darren Ranky? How do they connect with you? How do they get to pick up what you're putting down? How do they get your book? Give us the, like the overview on what they get in your book. I, I, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Let them give them a little synopsis of what that one will, will provide for them. The book is 13 principles to become a better leader from the inside out. So we talked about the values, authenticity, talk about patience, perseverance, talk about self-limiting beliefs, doubt, and fear. And the book's written, it's meant to be something you can consume on a vacation. It's short. It's like 170 pages each. It's all anecdotes. So hopefully they're interesting to read. Each chapter has a key takeaway so that I interviewed a lot of random people from NBA players to Ironman triathletes to Silicon Valley entrepreneurs. 
And so we have a key takeaway with each story. And then each chapter ends with a challenge because I'm all about action. I don't like going to seminars, reading books where I can't apply it immediately. So each of the 13 principles has a challenge that you can apply immediately. Cool. Yeah. So how do they get a hold of it? So it's on Amazon. So just go and search The Savage Leader within Amazon. You can also go to thesavageleader.com, which is a page on our website where you can learn more. You can get the free Savage Leader Field Guide, which is basically a companion course that goes along with it. It dives two or three steps deeper than the challenge with an editable PDF that you can actually use as you go along the book and to put those those principles into action. Because that's all I want. I want people to actually take action and make a difference in their life. And I love that, man. That's a great way for us to end this. I mean, your principles are about taking you know, really well thought out action and being true to who you are. We'll put a link in our show notes that'll get them to your book as well. Um, connecting with you. How do, how do they, how do they do that? They find you on LinkedIn. Where do they find you? I'm on LinkedIn. So Darren Renke, R E I N K E also on social media. So just, you know, can search uh, Darren Renke on Twitter, on Instagram. Beautiful. All right. Darren Renke, he is helping people overcome their fear of being great. He's helping them build confidence that takes them to new heights and, and, and helping leaders become super successful from the inside out. It's been a fantastic conversation. I thank you for what you're doing for, for leaders all around the world, Darren. And as I say to everybody, happy selling. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? Man, I cannot tell you how much I love that conversation with Darren. Chasing great lists. Not settling for average. Being confident because you're authentic to who you are. And that's honestly, that's one of the reasons I'm so proud to be working with Scipio. Because I can tell you authentically from one sales leader to another, Scipio is a tool that you need to at least check out. Don't settle for average and don't settle for an average texting platform. If you want to help your team have the best chances of connecting with their prospects, Scipio is worth checking out. I'm getting success stories almost every week from people that are checking out this platform and telling me that they're seeing up to a 40% improvement in show rate just by giving Scipio a chance. And I think 40% is a number so big, you can't afford not to check it out. The reason is text messaging is the very best way to interact with your clients and schedule more appointments. And Scipio's platform is the most powerful, most personal one that I've seen. It's just that simple. And if you're looking to engage more with your clients and also working to get more prospects to your demos and discovery meetings, do yourself a favor. Give Scipio a chance. I know the team personally, and they will give you an amazing experience. And we're going to take it up a notch and have you have this experience with no strings and no risk. Compliments of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Just head to Scipio.com and tell them I sent you by using the promo code ROB. You'll be blown away how quickly the right text platform can change the game for the members of your team. Now, this podcast is also brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, companies have spent billions on sales training, sales tools, and sales process, but those very same companies have left their leaders on their own to figure out what the leadership model needs to look like. And while there's no shortcuts to success, you will get there faster if you take the most direct route. If you like the content of my podcast, you're going to love the content of my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. It's got my very best content, over 100 hours of training materials, and you're going to find everything you need in my Patreon community. And, and then if you've never had a coach in your corner, now is really a great time to give it a try. The greatest performers in the world in every discipline, they choose to invest in themselves. My advice, follow their example, save your most precious resource, and that's time. Small improvements create disproportional results in both sales and sales leadership. And the faster you get there, the more massive your results will be. So if you want to find 
that how to get those small advantages and create those massive results, hit me up today. Now, I want to get back to Darren. Greatness. I loved what he's asked. What does greatness mean to you? I had no idea this would be the angle our conversation would take when we started this conversation, but I can't tell you how glad I am that it did. This is a topic that's been top of mind with me ever since we had our conversation. I work with over a 100 sales leaders worldwide now, and I'm telling you, not enough people are daring greatly. Not enough people are chasing what they want. Not enough people are, are like looking to become elite at what they do. They're just settling for what they need. This was a fantastic conversation, and I enjoyed it even more than I thought I would. Because too many of us are okay with mediocrity. Too many of us are okay with being average, with doing good enough to not get in trouble or get fired. But Darren said it best. Don't be afraid of chasing greatness. But choosing to chase greatness, that takes confidence. And I liked what Darren called it, an authentic confidence. And I'm not going to review his whole blueprint. I'm just going to tell you I love it. Go back and take some notes. I have five pages of notes from this conversation, and I think he's dead on to his approach to becoming great at whatever it is you're chasing. But that's the thing. It starts with you choosing to chase, not just work, but instead chase, to be in hot pursuit of something that matters to you, hot pursuit of something that will bring you joy, hot pursuit of whatever it is that you want for you. And I'm going to say it again. Very few people I work with know what they want for them. They always are doing something for someone else. And as I reflect on this conversation, I'm reminded of one of my laws of leadership, and that's people are the world's greatest reflectors. And so if you're going to be a leader of these people, how can you expect and help those you lead to be great if you yourself are not choosing to chase greatness? You want them to be great? You be great first because people are the world's greatest reflectors. And and no, don't ever forget that greatness is only defined by you. So tap into what it is you want and then help those you lead tap into what it is they want. And don't be afraid to chase greatness after you've defined it for you. Because if you do that, you're on the road to being authentic to yourself. Now I want to finish with this song, okay? We talked about this Rolling Stone song for a minute. You know, you don't always get what you want. And I want to have it playing in the background for a minute while we talk, okay? Um, I hope that you can hear it okay. I, I like this line that it says, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. I want to tell you, that line you just heard right there is a bunch of garbage, okay? It's the anthem for those that settle. It's a recipe for having a profession and a life that you look back on with regret. And, and, and I don't want you to ever look back on your career with regret saying that you could have done more, accomplished more. You could have been great, it's, but instead you are average. I want you to break out of that hold that average has on so many people. Because none of us were born and none of us came here and none of us chose to be leaders of sales teams so we could have average results. We're here to be great. So choose to be great. And to do it, you'll need to be authentic. And do what Darren said, act on what you believe. Act in ways that have you be true to who you are. And what you'll find is you'll get what you want, so long as you chase it. But don't ever listen to that line. You get what you need. Don't ever do that. I actually listen to this song now as I'm driving into my office, and it fires me up because that's who I don't want to be. Now, as we finish, I want to remind everyone that May is Mental Health Nut. Mental Health Month, okay? This month is almost over, and I think that this needs more than just a month of thinking about it. 
This year has taken a huge toll on those you work with. Show them that you care more about just their production. Take the time to make sure the people you work with are not just successful in sales. Help make sure that they are winning the other parts of their lives too. This is often overlooked and as a leader, you can have a huge impact for good and helping people become great if you choose to. So help them chase what they want. Help them be true to who they are. Help them realize they are not here to be average and they are good enough. Uh, you'll find that people need help in the other parts of their lives. And don't just don't just work with the salesperson. Focus on the whole person. And so I want to finish this up and thank Darren. Darren, thanks for joining me. What an important topic. And, and Darren's right. The only person stopping any of us from being great is us. So here's my advice. Think big. Play big. Be big. And if you haven't already... Connect with Darren. Get a hold of his book, and uh, his concept of chasing greatness will help you become elite. But above all, don't ever stop chasing. The stakes are just too high. Make sure you stay true to you by chasing down your definition of greatness. I want to finish by also thanking Scipio. Uh, if you haven't done so already, head over to Scipio.com and take advantage of their free one-month trial. Use the code name ROB. Uh, try it out for yourself. Communicate with your prospects the way they want to be communicated to. Find out all about it by using the code name, the promo code ROB, and watch your results change faster than you may have ever thought possible. And finally, I want to thank each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, please head out and give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me continue to get you the best guests in the world on this show. And with that, I want to remind you like I always do, be elite, live strong, chase your passions. But above all, don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.